If you turn with me to Exodus chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, I want to read just five verses of scripture in your hearing on this morning. Uh, Exodus chapter 4, again, beginning in verse 1, out of the Good News translation, it is recorded this way. Then Moses answered the Lord, but suppose the Israelites do not believe me and will not listen to what I say. What shall I do if they say that you did not appear to me? So the Lord asked them, what are you holding? A walking stick, he answered. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. And when Moses threw it down, it turned into a snake and he ran away from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach down and pick it up by the tail. So Moses reached down and caught it and it became a walking stick again. The Lord said, do this to prove to the Israelites that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to you. The word of God for all of God's children this morning. Listen, family, I want to use as a subject today, mission possible. Mission possible. Would you pray with me? Speak, Lord Jesus. Speak now because there is someone who needs you today. God, would you please anoint afresh this word, that it may do it exactly what you have already ordained for it to do, because you promised God that it would not return void. And so for the deliverance and for the healing and for the transformation that shall take place on the day, the salvation of someone's life to be saved, God, we thank you in advance, because we know, God, that you are working in the atmosphere to do what needs to be done for the kingdom of God. And so God, if you would please now just anoint me afresh to preach your word, God, I'd be ever so grateful because I can't do a thing without you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Mission possible. In August 2007, one of the great minds and public servants of our time died at the age of 100. Oliver Whitehill, a prominent attorney and civil rights activist, has great legacy not only in this city, but also to the Mount Carmel Baptist Church. Recorded in his biography, I came across this nugget that his paternal grandfather, William Henry White Sr., was the founding pastor of this great church. Hill records fond memories of attending Sunday school in this beautiful edifice and listening to his grandfather's sermons. He attests that part of his early upbringing was shaped by his time at the Mount Carmel Baptist Church. Hill, best known for his role in Brown versus the Board of Education, the landmark Supreme Court decision striking down segregated schools, he and his team of lawyers filed more civil rights um, suits in Virginia than were filed in any other southern state during the segregation era. In an article written by Michael Paul Williams, he states at one point the team had 75 cases pending. The Washington Post once estimated that Hill, Hill's team was responsible for winning more than $50 million in higher pay, new buses, and better schools for black teachers and students. Hill's early years as a lawyer were inauspicious. At one point, he abandoned his practice and worked in Washington as a waiter. He later moved to Richmond where he has practiced law since 1939. He won his first civil rights case in 1940 in Norfolk, Virginia, where the school system was ordered to provide equal pay for black teachers. Hill states in an interview with the Richmond News leader uh, in 1992, we got very few fees, he said, for any of this. We were just interested 
in civil rights. Hill remained a partner in the law firm of Hill, Tucker, and Marsh until he retired. And in 1977, the Oliver Hill Ju Juvenile Courts Building was named in his honor during the segregated Jim Crow era and a time when it was still almost unheard of for people of color to practice law and still yet to file and win cases in the Supreme Court, if you'd asked his contemporaries of his day, I'm sure they would have said that Oliver Whitehill had a mission that seemingly was impossible. Impossible to turn over unjust laws and to right the wrongs of this society against people who looked like him. Impossible to lead the way to free people from oppressive situations and, and systemic injustices and systems put in place to keep the forgotten marginalized and their voices silenced. But we, you and I, you and I, family, we can attest that Oliver Whitehill was able to make his mission possible, that in spite of, he pressed and he persevered. Yet before there was, come on somebody, just type it in, before there was a Oliver Whitehill or or Henry Marsh, or a Colin Powell, or a passionate pastor and grandfather named William Henry White Jr., there was a shepherd turned leader that went with that we find in our text today, and his name was Moses. Moses, who also seemed to have a mission that was impossible. Moses had been, has been commissioned by God to go back to Egypt and tell old Pharaoh to let his people go. But Moses never thought he would be the one that God would choose to fulfill this mission, not this mission that seemed to be absolutely impossible to achieve. After all, come on family, Moses was a fugitive in hiding when God called him out. God gave him an experience at a burning bush and, and gave him what? Another chance. Moses, y'all, didn't see it coming. Somebody ought to say he didn't see it coming. And the truth be told, many of us, we don't see it coming either. Oh, I know somebody's asking the question right now. I know you're typing it in the line right now. See what coming, Reverend. See what coming. I, I want to tell you, we don't see the shift. We don't see the shift of God's plans intersecting with our carefully laid out, comfortable, ordinary lives. The shifts that change our trajectory and moves us into a direction, not often by our choosing, but always of God's calling. And that's where we find Moses in the text, on a trajectory, on a path, on a mission, not of his own choosing, but one that God has orchestrated or and set for him. But the question, y'all, the question raises itself uh, of these five verses that I've read in your hearing is how? How do you, mm, 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 how do you face the seemingly impossible assignment, the seemingly impossible call, the seemingly impossible odds that seem to be stacked up against you? Well, Pastor Gilliam, on this your second anniversary of pastor and people, as you are trusting God, for more years together, more assignments together, more growth together, he just might be revealing what he revealed to Moses on how you too, my brother, can make unseen
seemingly impossible missions possible. Come on with me to the text, if you will. It's right there in verse 2. It says, so the Lord asked them, what are you holding? Some translation says, what's in your hand? Can we pause right here for a moment and declare that the first way that we can make our mission possible is to use what you have. Somebody ought to type that in the line right now. Use what you have. Now, now let me stop for a moment and elaborate about capacity. Anybody know about capacity? See, every life that God has granted has some capacity, some meaning, some purpose, some ability, some giftedness in order to fulfill purpose. Mm -hmm. And as much what are you holding is more than just about what's in your hand, but it is uh, the realization that God has given all of us the ability, uh, the capacity, the potential to accomplish great things. Therefore, with capacity, there is always something in our hand. Oh my God, I wish somebody would catch it. Listen, listen, listen. It may not be a physical possession like Moses' instance with the rod, but God has equipped and empowered and prepared each and every one of us, uh, each and every one of us with the capacity to achieve. To every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of God. And perhaps the hardest lesson that any one of us has to learn is to believe that every gift from God is of equal intrinsic worth. Somebody need to catch that. My God. See, my gift, my, my capacity, my ability is no more valuable than what God has given you and your gift. Our success, therefore, is to be measured by the realization that the gift is being fully utilized. I, I think I need to say that again, Pastor. I think I need to say that again. Somebody needs to catch. Our success is to be measured by the realization that we're doing something with the gift. Maybe I need to make it plain like that. In other words, if you're not fully utilizing what God has given you, then stop comparing and complaining about what he's doing in somebody else's life that you don't see him doing in yours, my God. Instead, you might want to ask yourself, what are you doing with what he's already given you, my God? Because here's our joy in all of this. God uses what we have. He never asked us to fulfill anything for him with what we don't have. Somebody ought to catch that. That should make somebody shout this morning. He's already equipped you with what you need to be successful to do what he's asked you to do. Can we stop telling God what we can't do? I don't have enough money, God. I'm not smart enough, God. I don't speak eloquently, God. I don't know how to. I don't know when to. I don't know what to. I don't know where to. I just don't know, God. Can we just stop it? God never asked you to use what he has not given you, only to put what he has given you into his hands that he might magnify and multiply and empower what you already have to accomplish what he needs you to do. Am I talking to anyone on the line today? Am I talking to anyone in this virtual space today? God always begins by using what we have in our hand, in our capacity, in our ability page after page, my God, of God's word reveals that there is a chance for all of us to have true usefulness with what we already have in our possession. Moses held a rod in his hand. It was useful, y'all, for support. It was useful for advancement, for protection, and as a token of his office as a shepherd, but it was just a rod. 
My God, it was just a rod. It was just a rod until God told him to throw it on the ground. And God was asking Moses to throw down one of his most important yet also common possessions, his shepherd's staff. His rod was his means of making a living, and yet the staff was what God needed. So God asked Moses for what he had. My God, when Moses released his staff to God, he didn't lose it. Oh, somebody need to catch that. You need to go ahead and put that in him. As a matter of fact, he got it back with divine power. Come on, somebody. You missed your shout again. My God, my God. Look, the scripture teaches us that much can come from little if little is truly consecrated to our God. There are no little people and no big people in the true spiritual sense of our existence. But there are consecrated and unconsecrated folk. Come on, somebody. Pastor Gilliam, God is not looking for experts. God is not looking for supermen and superwomen. God is not looking for folks who have all the answers, but God is looking for some folks who are willing, willing to take what we have in our hands and consecrate it to God, place it at God's disposal, and be willing to be used by God for the greater good of all of God's people. With that staff consecrated to God, Moses went on to part the Red Sea. Uh, he brought what? Water from a rock and led the multitudes of Israelites out of Egypt. And so, Pastor, I'm here to encourage you. You may never part a Red Sea, my God, but maybe, maybe, maybe you will um, uh, usher some folks into the presence of God. You may never strike water from a rock, but maybe you can feed some children and some families. You you may never conquer enemy armies, but you may be able to eliminate obstacles and injustices that block paths for people to be treated fairly and allow them to receive their blessings. So Mount Carmel, how do we make this mission possible? All God has ever asked is for us to give him what we have and let God use it for the glory of God. But here's the second lesson from the text, y'all. He requires us to follow the instructions. Come on and look back with me, if you will, on verses 3 and 4. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. When Moses threw it down, it turned into a snake, and he ran away from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach down and pick it up by the tail. So Moses reached down and caught it, and it became a walking stick again. Now, y'all, come on. Can I just be honest for a few moments? Can I be honest? Can I really be honest? Because I, 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 you know, I really do have um, just a little bit of fear and maybe a phobia when it comes to snakes. So when I read this text, I was a little bit like Moses. I too would have jumped back and ran away from the rod that turned into the snake. But I believe God was giving Moses a great lesson about following instruction that he was going to need if he was going to make this mission possible. He gave him explicit instructions on how to handle and how to approach some snaky situations in life. Because believe it or not, pastor, you're going to face some snaky situations. And here are just a few of the benefits from following God's instructions. Following God's instruction frees us from frustration. Somebody ought to go ahead and type that right on in this morning. How often have we thought that we had life all figured out uh, just to figure out that we don't 
know as much <laughs> as we think we do. Oftentimes we think we can handle the changes, uh, handle the fluctuations of the highs and the lows all on our own, just to find out that doing it our way has never gotten us any further than dealing with the same stuff over and over and over again. One day, I hope it's sooner than later for you, me and all of us, we will figure out that we don't know it all. And, 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 and we often fail to see that the picture of what God is up to is bigger than you and bigger than me. And when we try to do what we do without following God's instructions, we find ourselves frustrated with ourselves. We find ourselves frustrated with the situation. And so often we find ourselves frustrated with some folk. Can I be real about it? But family, following the instructions uh, uh, will keep us from getting into that place where we are frustrated because we are trusting God to lead us and to deliver us and to take us where we really need to be. Come on, y'all. But listen, uh, family, following the instructions also will keep us out of danger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, there is a tag on the cord of my electric dryer. It might be on the cord of one of yours, too. It said, danger electrocution possible if used or dropped in the water. Oh, y'all ain't following me yet. Let me see. See, God's word is filled with instructions that warn us of danger. The thou shalt not are not there for um, um, uh, our harm. Uh, the thou shalt are there for our what? Our good. Too many times we want to see the instruction and direction in God's words as limiting and binding. But God knows us better than we know ourselves. And sometimes we need to have some boundaries. Can somebody say boundaries? We need some boundaries to keep us out of danger. Practically everything we purchase comes with what? A set of instructions. Some of of us will take the time to read them <laughs> or at least we'll look at the pictures <laughs> before we attempt to what cook with it or put it together or use it but other of us y'all already know where I'm going some of us we ain't gonna look at no pictures we ain't gonna read no instructions we just gonna go ahead on and go in it and go with it <laughs> I know I'm right about it but the truth of the matter is that the instructions are put there for our benefit when we follow the instructions our enjoyment of the product is enhanced the parts will work like they should the warranty stays intact there are no leftover parts Okay, maybe that just happened at my house. There are no leftover parts, and usually the product lasts longer when used properly and according to the manufacturer's instructions. Are y'all with me yet? <laughs> and so it is with us in our lives. We will enjoy the journey much more when, when, when we purpose to live our lives according to the manufacturer's instructions. You see, when we follow the manufacturer instructions, you know what I mean, the plan of God, then we find out um, careful fellowship will help us to avoid uh, uh, paths and habits and even relationships that might endanger and even end our lives prematurely. God gave Moses very clear instructions on how to handle the snake because trying to handle it on his own might have been frustrating and Moses surely would have been in danger if he had mishandled the poisonous snake and there, there, there sure would not have been any enjoyment trying to use the snake as a snake. Oh my God. 
So Mount Carmel, God gives your pastor instruction in the word of God, not to hinder you all, but to help you all with every mission that he gives him to make it more possible for you to achieve the assignment. Careful fellowship. Oh my God. Somebody need to go ahead and put that in the line. Put it in it. Type it in right now. Careful fellowship is the key to avoid the dangers that comes with the mission. My God, my God. You need to follow the instruction of the master but you also need to follow the instruction of the leader that God has put in place to help you get to where you need to get in order to make the mission possible but finally family pastor Gilliam and the Mount Carmel if you're going to make your mission possible you need to leave your critics to God you do know there will always be someone who questions, right, criticize, or have something to say when they are not seeing things move in the direction or the path that they thought it ought to go in. Maybe it just happens over here, but it don't happen over here, Malcolm. Maybe it's just over there. You know, we have some folk who, you know, when you put the vision out, they think you done lost your mind. When, when you tell them what God says, that they think, they think you're on the wrong path, and, and they think that you know, you ain't heard from God. But what I find interesting in verse 5 is that God took Moses back one more time to his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to prove to the Israelites that it was God and not Moses that were performing the miracles. Mm. Okay, I see I didn't catch it. I didn't catch it. I, I see. It was God and not Moses who was performing the miracles. And pastor, when we are consecrated, when we are set apart and assigned by God to do anything for the kingdom, we need to keep our eyes on God. But more importantly, we need to point other folks' eyes to God. Too often, we want them to see what God is doing for us, that we mispointed them to see what God is doing through us. God needs some folks that will spend less time trying to convince. He needs some folks who will spend less time arguing with people and more time pointing them to see the experience of God in his glory. Look, look, he tells Moses, when you do these things, it will prove to the Israelites that I have not forgotten their pain and their suffering and their cries and their anguish. When you do these things, you will assure them that the God who has all power is still on the throne. When you do these things, you will confirm for them once again that the promises I made to them in the past are still the promises that I have for them right now. That God is the God of your present and, and God is the God of your future. And here is your shout, Pastor Gilliam. The confirmation of the promise was Moses' obedience. My God. He followed what God told him to do and showed the people that God was still moving, that God was still hearing, that God was still responding, and God was still delivering. God was basically saying, Moses, I'll address the critics, but you get to stepping. I'll take care of the naysayers. You just get to doing. I'll show the, the doubters. You just get to obeying. And there are some folks right now that are so afraid of what folks think, how folks will turn away from the church. And you're so still trying to figure out how to, how to please the folk that you miss saying yes to your God. But here's a public service announcement for somebody. Our assignment is not to make us comfortable. 
Mm -hmm. God said, I need some folk who would just believe and obey and not be worried about trying to please folk. God is saying, and, and here is your shout, it is the experience with my glory that will change the hearts and minds of those who don't believe, not you. It is the experience with, with my glory that will capture the souls of those who are still on the fence. So Mount Carmel, as you celebrate this anniversary of pastor and people, for these amazing two years, God wants you to understand that the greater the mission, the greater his glory will be revealed. And the more his glory is revealed, the greater the opportunity to win critics over to God's side. Listen, Pastor Gilliam, you know I love you. And God gave, me, God gave the mission that looked impossible to a little black boy named Oliver Whitehill and made his mission possible so that God's glory would be revealed. No one would have believed in the segregated South that a black man would be able to go to the Supreme Court versus Brown and versus Brown versus education and strike down segregated schools, but God did. No one ever believed that a black man would ever be voted in as president of these United States, not one term, but two terms, but God did. No one would have believed, no one would have ever believed that a black woman, somebody ought to say, would ever be elected as vice president of these United States of America, but God did. No one would have believed that a stuttering fugitive who wasn't supposed to survive the edict of Pharaoh to kill all of the boys under two would lead the people of Egypt out of uh, 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 slavery, but what God did. And God is still speaking. <laughs> He's speaking to a young, vibrant, visionary pastor in Churchill. He's giving you dreams, pastor, and visions, and, and potential and possibility. He's giving you hope and faith to press for a mission that seems impossible. And I stopped by today just to remind you that you've got everything you need to achieve God's mission. But pastor, he needs you to believe that he's the same God that still reigns for justice and, and liberation and fulfillment. He's the same God that hears the of the people, the same God who is a deliverer, the same God who cares about justice and equality. And you already know what I'm getting ready to say. You've got everything you need to accomplish what he's showing you and what he's given you and what he's revealed to you. He's given you everything you need for the mission to be possible. He's already given you the instruction on how to deal with snaky situations and they will come up, my brother. But I believe when I tell you that God is in the midst of what he's doing in the Mount Carmel Baptist Church. Pastor Gilliam, it will be through your obedience and the revelation of God's glory that hearts can be changed and lives can be saved and God's people can be set free. All he needs... <laughs> All he needs, man, come on, Carmel, is your bold yes. All he needs is your bold yes. Yes to the mission. Yes that you believe that the mission is possible. Yes to your sold out heart that you can lead God's people and fulfill everything that God has ordained for this body of Christ to fulfill. And so, Pastor, I just stopped by to tell you. I just stop by to remind you, and I just stop by to encourage you that the mission 
is possible. The Mount Carmel Baptist Church on Church Hill, 32nd and Broad, I stopped by just to encourage you, just to, in, just to, to encourage you and just to, to, to remind you that the mission is possible. Children of God who are, are, are tapped in and listening all from all around the world as you have joined Mount Carmel today to celebrate their pastor and people's anniversary, I want you to know too that God has given you everything you need in order for the mission to be possible. So I just want you to trust and believe today, not today, today. I need you to believe today that the mission is possible. Come on and trust God. Come on and put what you have in his hands. Come on and let him show you how to deal with snaky situations. Come on and put the critics to, to silence by giving them to God. You ain't got to deal with it. You ain't got to answer it. Just let God be God. And I promise you, God will meet you on the journey. God will fulfill what he's given you to do. God will already go before you to prepare the way. All he needs is your yes to let God know that you believe and you trust that the mission is possible. Today, come on and give God your best yes and let God know that you're on God's side to do for the kingdom of God what God has ordained for you to do because the mission is possible. God bless you, family, and may God continue to keep you as you follow God's plan to do for the kingdom what needs to be done.